This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder. This week, we're in Arizona discussing a fugitive that's still at large. Then we'll talk about the canal murders. Buckle up and join us on this dark and twisted ride through the Grand Canyon State. Ever pay attention to your neighbors? No. I mean, really pay attention to them? At first glance, you see a good husband, adoring father who plays with his children in the yard, a Christian, a great employee, lies. You may see a marriage that appears great in public, but behind closed doors, there's trouble in paradise. You hear them argue sometimes. What married couple doesn't, after all? Who are you to cast judgment? As a child, you're taught that the boogeyman isn't real, only to grow up and find out that he's actually been living right next door to you. Robert Fisher was born in 1961 in Brooklyn, New York, but his family relocated to Arizona. This is where he would meet his high school sweetheart, Mary. The two wed in 1987 and would go on to have two children, Brittany and Robert, or Bobby, as he was called. Robert's parents had divorced when he was in high school, and this was extremely hard on him. I mean, divorce is hard on most children, but he took it to another level. Like, he was still talking about this to his coworkers when he was in his 40s. Mm. Yeah. Robert joined the Navy after the couple wed. Then he went on to work as a fireman. So he was like a dude, dude. Yeah. Like tough guy, loved hunting and guns and all the things that guys think make their nuts bigger than the other guy. <laughs> like rubbing blood from a, yeah. Like he would rub blood from a deer he just killed all over his face. Like, <sighs> the yeah. But unfortunately, a back injury would end his career as a fireman early, mm. and after several surgeries to fix it, he was unable to return to fighting bars. So Robert goes back to school and goes to work at the Mayo Clinic in Scottsdale as a respiratory therapist. This injury made him angry. Like, he, he kind of took it out on his family. Okay. And for people with chronic pain, this really isn't unusual. You're irritated mm-hmm. because you're not your normal self like I get it yeah I'm an asshole when I don't feel good so not making excuses for him but you do tend to be and yeah. you take it out on your family yeah because they're the yeah. ones closest so soon he began to have problems in his marriage Ugh. it was a control freak and it would trickle down into his relationship with his wife like he had to have the final say in even artwork that was hung on the wall. Yeah. I watched a documentary about him and in the whole movies that they played, it shows him being very bossy, like telling Mary to put the camera down and teaching his kids to march with guns like soldiers at home. Yeah. And at home and like sing songs like I'd rather be dead than red, like communist bullshit is this like rotc training but home school style they were like they were like little kids oh my gosh okay that's weird yeah 
1998, Robert confessed to their pastor to having cheated on Mary with a masseuse he had mm. met when he was getting massages for his back injury. Oh my gosh. This bitch gets a major UTI <gasps> from an old rub and tug he got. And so he basically had to confess because he got like very sick from it. <laughs> so Mary is pissed. Rightfully so. This is her husband who she shared children with and who was so serious about marriage after what happened with his parents. And then he cheated on her. Yeah. So they go to counseling within their church and Robert vowed that he would and had changed, mm. that he could not live without his family. The two did split up for just a minute, but they reconciled and they had their tiffs still. But when they would get in these heated arguments, he would leave for like a couple days and go off camping or hunting in the woods by himself. And his friends would go on to say that like they stopped hunting with him because he became very unsafe. Oh my god. Like he wasn't fun to go with anymore. They said that it was more like he enjoyed killing things Ew. than actually hunting. That's freaky. I mean, uh, yeah. I'm not a hunter anyway, but when it starts becoming about I don't know, I guess. And then rubbing the blood all yeah, over. That's, yeah, that's that's a, unusual behavior. Yeah. Ugh. So the couple are fighting more and more. Neighbors hear Mary yell at him and say stuff like she could have done better yeah. and would take off for a few days and come back. There was supposedly another affair or two, but mm. nothing like another UTI to prove that this was oh actually a fact. Gosh. But in the spring of 2001, nearly two years after the affair with the masseuse, Mary had had enough and confided in friends that things weren't going well and she was ready to leave and end their marriage. I mean, in my opinion, for someone so concerned with his marriage, he really wasn't trying no. or no. helping to keep their family together. Yeah, no, he didn't care. He didn't care. So on the night of April 9th, 2001, Robert took 12-year-old Brittany to her Junior National Honor Society induction ceremony at her school, mm. and Mary took Bobby, who was 10, to his hunting class. They come home, and at some point, an argument breaks out. And it's a loud one. The neighbors yeah. heard the yelling. Things eventually calm down, and the family goes to sleep. Well, all except Robert. He would go into Brittany's room and cut her throat. Wait, this was a 12-year-old? Yes. Then he moves on to Bobby's room and does the same thing to his other sleeping child. Both cuts were so deep, oh they were gosh. nearly decapitated. It was, <sighs> it was brutal. He would then go into the master bedroom and shoot Mary in the back of the head and then slit her throat as well. But he wasn't finished yet. Oh, my gosh. Robert then severed the natural gas line, filling the home, and leaving a candle lit in the hallway upstairs. Then he made his way outside and to the driveway into Mary's forerunner and took all of his belongings with him and drove away. Around eight hours later, after the house had filled up with gas, at 8.42 a.m. on April the 10th, a 911 call comes in saying that there has been an explosion at the Fisher house. It had completely blown up, shook neighbors' homes over a half a mile away, like 
20 foot flames. There was ammo in the house, paint cans. The gas was definitely the accelerant. At this point, it's just an accident, according to firefighters. They don't know who lives there. They don't know if they're home. They're putting out little fires at the neighbor's homes, trying to keep them safe. Because when it exploded, it like shot shrapnel into other homes. Once it's safe to enter, they go into the home that all the explosions were going off in. And the entire house is incinerated. Firemen then find three bodies, two children and one adult. But they couldn't tell if the adult was male or female. They knew Mary's car was missing, so they issued a bolo for it Mm -hmm. and whoever was driving. So they get to work and realize that this was a deliberately set fire. The explosion was intentional. They also realized that all three bodies were in their beds, which was a very bad sign. Autopsies show that the children's throats were indeed cut so deep they were almost decapitated. The adult body was that of Mary, who had been shot and then her throat slashed. Robert was missing. An ATM surveillance shows him withdraw $280 out the night before around 10.38 p.m. So Robert has a lot of assets, IRAs, investments, money Mm -hmm. market accounts, but he only withdrew the max amount of cash you could at the time in 2001. Right. This was the last video footage of him to date. He is on the run. They haven't found him yet? No, no. So on April the 14th, Robert is officially named a suspect in his family's murder. Her family was very supportive of Robert. They went on TV and were making pleas with him to come home and that they didn't think there was any way in hell he could have done this to his family. So on April the 20th, Mary's forerunner is found 100 miles north of Scottsdale in the Tonto National Forest. The family's dog was there with the SUV, so he took the dog with him. The dog was not tied up. He was just, like, sleeping under the SUV. No sign of Robert, and other than a coffee cup inside with his fingerprints on it, the SUV is completely empty. So this is an extremely remote area Mm -hmm. with lots of caves. So law enforcement agencies are called to search, as well as spelunkers, cadaver dogs, and SWAT. But Robert is a trained military Oh, I forgot about that. You know? Yeah. And he's got several weapons on him, so they're, they're aware of all this. They search three caves in the area, but find nothing. But there are around 30 caves within a quarter mile. So he really could have been hiding anywhere. Well, my thing is, why wouldn't he take the dog with him? I know it didn't have a leash, but if it was his dog, he could have just said, you know, come here or whatever. He obviously took the dog for a reason. You have a dog. Yeah. If you walked off, what would Charlie do? He would follow me. Exactly. Especially if you were gone for an extended period of time, even if you told him to stay, he would come and try to find you. He didn't kill the dog and he took the dog with him for a reason. People said that he cared about his dog more than he did his family. That's what it seems like. Yeah. So they're around 30 k's within a quarter mile, so he could have been hiding Uh anywhere. The search is eventually called off due to weather and nothing is found. Who does this sound like? Like what that was in the news recently does this sound like? Brian uh, yeah, Laundry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't it? Yeah. Yes. So they begin to question did he commit suicide somewhere in the woods? So then why would he take out money? 
to kill himself. Like that doesn't make any sense. So others speculate he disappeared at the Hell's Gate Wilderness area and maybe committed suicide there after realizing that taking it, you know, on a new identity is a lot more work than people realize. Only one square mile was searched. That's it. In this big wilderness area by SWAT. SWAT's more used to a urban scene and not necessarily trained in searching the great outdoors. And if he did kill himself, you know, a dead body doesn't last that long in the wild. Yeah. Animals would have eaten it down to Especially in the desert. Yeah. Nothing of his has ever been found. Nothing. Scottsdale police believe that he abandoned Mary's SUV in the woods and was either picked up by a friend or simply walked away. Which makes sense why the dog was still there. Like, if he would have got in the car but also, with someone. why take the dog with you in the first place if you're not going to take it with you when you're, you know what I mean? Why, like, if he gets a ride from someone, wouldn't he be like, hey, can I bring my dog? Why leave it there? It's just weird. I'm trying to make sense of, I don't know. You can't make sense with people like this, but. So he was eventually listed as a fugitive yeah. and a federal arrest warrant was issued by the United States District Court of Arizona, and he is charged with unlawful flight to avoid prosecution. July of 2001, Arizona Superior Court also charges him with three counts of first-degree murder and one count of arson. In June of 2002, he is placed on FBI's 10 most wanted list and was still on there until dun 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 november of last year why'd they take him off so they took him off because he you know he doesn't fit the criteria like one of the criteria for being on the list is the you know the publicity will help locate and capture the subject Mm -hmm. since he disappeared in 2001 there have been no confirmed sightings of him really 20 years not even someone saying they think they found him that's that's weird well i'm gonna get to that he was featured on America's Most mm-hmm. Wanted TV show. He's a basic looking guy with the exception of walking kind of with a stiff gait from his back surgery. And he has a scar from that on his lower back. And he has a gold tooth, not like a grill, not like Nelly, but like a gold one gold bicuspid up on the top. So you can see there it in his smile, likely. there. Yes. There have been 10,000 leads since 2001. Maybe 20 of them have been worth a shit. In 2004, a call came in from Canada. A guy fits Robert's description down to the scar on his back and has a missing tooth where Robert had a gold one. Mm. So a neighbor drives up to Canada. He lived in the Seattle area and it, you know, it's not that far. So he drove up to help identify him. So he walks in, you know, they like let him in like undercover, like a, he's a, he's been arrested for whatever his neighbor, just to get him in the same room with them. Yeah. And he listens to him talk and he says, he looked at me and gave me that look like, what the fuck are you doing here? But he never spoke to him. So they pull him out, the guy out, and he says, that's him. That is Robert. A hundred percent. But his fingerprints did not match. Like, they went so far as his mother, this guy's mother, came to the police station with his birth certificate proving that it was not Robert. Just a huge coincidence. It says doppelganger. 
And also, if it's a neighbor, they're not, they weren't around him so often that they knew the small details, you know, so. But this neighbor was like, I mean, you have, you don't, but I have friends that are neighbors that I'm like, hey, you know what I mean? Like, I think they would recognize my voice or, you know, like our kids play together. Your neighbor's cats would recognize you. (laughs) I was about to say, my neighbors couldn't recognize me from any lineup. The cats, yes, the cats. The cats would get you. So in 2009, a tourist in Guatemala says she was taking a picture in a marketplace and a guy thought she was taking a picture of him and he threatened her saying (sighs) he's killed before and he would again. She turned over those photos to the FBI and the FBI has never released. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. A man also called America's Most Wanted hotline claiming to be Robert, but it was investigated and turns out that that was a hoax. Yeah. There have also been alleged sightings in Louisiana and Florida. He never came back to liquidate any of his assets that he had, and there is no proof that he had been stockpiling funds of any sort beforehand. It's literally like he disappeared into thin air. Do you know if he was a prepper, like someone that kept, you know, big bags of rice or whatever somewhere in like a... Nothing that I found said that, but that's interesting because I thought the same thing. Because if he was a frequent hunter and camper and would go off for, you know, weekends at a time to be alone... He could probably figure out how to survive out in the wild. Right. But would he want to? He... What pisses me off so much about family annihilators is like this dude could have just gone missing anyway he could have Mm -hmm. done exactly what he did but not killed his family well i think it was one of those things that he probably knew that his marriage was over not at her fault but the shit that he did to her yeah so and she was probably like you know what i'm done i'm taking the kids i'm filing for divorce and he was triggered by that because of what his parents divorced did with him. And it was one of those, and we see it and we read about it. If I can't have you, no one can. And, and if I can't have my kids, then they'd be better off dead, which is a fucked up philosophy. I don't understand why parents Mm -hmm. can even, well, he will be 60 in April. Wow. And it's been about like what? 20 years, 20 years, 2001. Gosh, what are the so almost, odds that yeah. he would even, if if he was living in the wilderness, would even still be alive? Because that's a harsh life anyway, even if you're, you know, skilled. Well, and I also think that a weekend, I mean, you and I could probably survive a weekend hunting. We would not be happy, but we could probably survive. <laughs> I'd be eating tree bark and sand. I don't know. You would probably have chopped me up by now I would because not, I would have been bitching no. from day one. I'm squeamish. No. Nope. Uh, I couldn't even eat a jackrabbit. Nope. But I'm just saying like a weekend is one thing compared to years. You know what I mean? In like decades. On the run. Yeah, yes. I, yeah. Right. I have heard of this case, but I it's been a while, so I forgot about the details and stuff. I remember the guy went missing with the dog, but the dog was still there. So weird. So either he is dead. Yeah. At least either he committed suicide when all this went down or he's out there on the run somewhere. My theory is he's probably living somewhere in South America, working some odds and ends bullshit jobs for cash and laying low. And there's nothing about him that if you or I 
saw him, we would think, oh my God. Yeah. He, there's nothing distinguishing. He's just a basic I know basic what you mean, bitch. like a normal, just like a- Just a normal a white looking dude, dude. A white dude that you, you yeah, yeah, they just- <laughs> Yeah. We've, we've walked not by- Not too tall, not too them. short, not, right. not, yeah, average right. weight, average build. I get what you, you're yeah. saying. Like, yeah, we walk. Yeah. Right. So anyways, that's my story. He's still at large. Oh yeah, it's it's crazy. No, I wonder if he he ha- could have had a passport made, you know, or a fake ID made beforehand. But it doesn't it doesn't seem like this was premeditated. It almost seems like he snapped because, like, like I it said, wasn't a a long plan that he right thought he was, like okay. he didn't plan it out. Like he, it seems like if he would have planned it out. Well, first of all, he changed the oil in his truck the day of the murder. So why would he service his vehicle and then take Mary's? True. Unless he True. was trying yeah. to unless he was trying to throw them off <sighs> by taking hers for them, you know, to buy him some time for them to think maybe he's the dead body. I think he so you know exploded what I mean? that or you know, made the house explode because he wanted to buy time. Hundred exactly. percent. I know. I think yeah. he knew they're going to think it's me. But if everything's burnt to a crisp, they'll at least have to wait on autopsies or you know right. forensics to determine if I'm in the rubble or not. Oh, right. And you know, and DNA and, and all the other things he destroyed. I hate this. Guy. He probably was hoping that it would be completely incinerated and they wouldn't be able to tell that he had slit their throats. You know what I mean? I hate when someone murders their entire family. Yes. For any reason, but especially some bullshit. Family annihilators, just there's something about the them worst. that just, I, I don't even know. They're a different type of monster. The absolute worst. It's so selfish and ugh, just, I, I don't know. Well, real quick before you get started, if anybody happens to see him out, we'll put pictures up, but now... I've got some age progression photos too that we can upload because he's not 40 anymore. You know, that's what we forget. It's like he's in his 60s. But if you have any information on his whereabouts, you can call the Scottsdale police at 480-312-5000. All the zeros. Or the FBI, obviously. Call the FBI. I don't want to say I like cold cases, but... I think about them more and I'm more interested in researching them and reading about them because I like to solve puzzles and it's just like a big, terrible puzzle that someone needs to figure out. It's not going to be me because I'm not going through the desert in Arizona anytime soon, but <laughs> this reminds me there's, there's a case and I am terrible with the names and stuff, but it was on forensic files where uh-huh. there was, I think he was a family annihilator or something. I could be wrong about that. But anyway, they hired some dude to do a, or woman, I don't remember, to do an age progression sculpture of him, like of his bust, his head. And they put glasses on that they think he'd be wearing and just everything they thought he might look like. And someone called in and was like, that's my neighbor. And it had been years and years and years. And he was an old man. And it sure enough was him. Looks just like him. I'll have to. I'm sure people are screaming it right now. But I can see his look in my head. But I can't think of his name right now. But it's a Forensic Files episode. I swear there are certain episodes that are always on when I turn turn on the channel. 
And that little girl that eats wood chip paint, lead paint, that episode's always on too. You would think I would know the cases better by now. <laughs> but So, you know, you always say, I find the weirdest cases. Well, yeah. this one is no exception. It takes place in the Phoenix, Arizona area. I'll jump right into it. Angela Brasso grew up in Pennsylvania, but after college, she ended up taking a job with Centelic Inc., which is a Phoenix electronics company. In 1992, Angela was 21 years old and was living with her boyfriend, Joseph, and they had a pet ferret. Some states won't let you have ferrets, but obviously Arizona did. So her mother, Linda, called her Angie. She described her as a force and that she would change the nature of the room when she walked in. You know, like she was a light coming on. She changed the room in a good way. On November 8th, 1992, the day before her 22nd birthday, Angela went out for a bike ride along the Arizona Canal while her boyfriend was at home baking a cake for her. She was never seen alive again. After a few days of searching, her nude torso was found in a nearby vacant lot near 25th Avenue and Cactus Road. Her head was discovered in the canal, and her bloody clothes, it appeared, had been placed in a nearby pile. Yeah, and based on the body, they were wondering if they were dealing with maybe someone in the medical field, or maybe a butcher, or maybe someone that's killed before, because it didn't seem like their first experience with chopping up a body. Just 10 months later, another decapitated body was floating in the same canal. This was 17-year-old Melanie Beth Burness. Friends called Melanie the girl next door. She was a high achiever, and she dreamed of becoming a doctor. The last time Melanie was seen was when she'd set off for a bike ride along the canal, and her bike went missing, and so did she. The police kept most of the specifics to themselves, but they did say it was apparent that Melanie had been sexually assaulted before her murder. And from what I could tell, Angela had been too in some form because there was semen at both scenes. So the DNA in the semen left behind did prove that whoever killed Melanie also killed Angela. But unfortunately, it's the early 90s, the police were unable to link the DNA profile to a specific suspect. The case faded from the public eye and it grew cold. Until the Phoenix Police Department's cold case unit started digging through old cases in 2011. We love new eyes on cold cases. So in true criminal mind style, they got a profile of a man who could be the killer from Vidoc Society, an organization of forensic experts who dedicate their time to solving cold cases. They believe that the man would probably still be living in the general Phoenix area They also believe that he would have some sort of history of criminal activities. Maybe he set fires or acted out fantasies. The experts even said it was likely that detectives had in some way crossed paths with this individual earlier in the investigation. In 2014, a genealogist was given access to the DNA that was gathered in the investigations, and she was able to come up with the last name of Miller. That's a pretty common name. But to their luck, they had a Brian Miller already on the list of investigative leads in the case. At the time, he was vetted, but there was no physical evidence to link him to the scene. So he was on their list, but nothing panned out. From what I could find, they had him on their radar in the first place, because when they were going through old case files, 
Brian had been arrested in the stabbing of a woman at Paradise Valley Mall. He was a juvenile at the time. She didn't end up dying, but they flagged him because of this. He was a juvenile at the time, so he said he stabbed her because she looked like his mother. Look at Ed Kemper. Just saying. Yeah, well, the police wanted to figure out a way to get some of Brian Miller's DNA. An undercover police officer pretended to be a security company employee who was looking for Brian's help in conducting surveillance at a business near Brian's place of employment. So they set up this fake dinner to chat. And at this dinner, they were able to collect some of Brian's DNA. I'm not sure if they swiped a fork or a cup or something. But regardless, this ended up being a match to the DNA from the canal murders in the early 90s. So they took a trip to Brian's job to arrest him. Other officers went to his home where his teenage daughter was. They said he was a hoarder. That floor to ceiling, it was packed with stuff like boxes, paper, furniture. They didn't even know what all was in the house. But he was a renter, so they did talk to his landlady. And she said, this guy is not a good tenant and he hasn't even paid full rent in years. So the only reason she didn't kick him out was because she liked his daughter and wanted her to have a place to live. She was worried that if she kicked out Brian, then what's going to happen to the girl? Because she wasn't involved. Her mom wasn't involved in her life. So she felt bad. Unfortunately, Brian had full custody of his daughter. Based on the records, his daughter suffered from health problems from time with her mother. And her mother was supposedly homeless and unemployed. I say supposedly because this is what basis he filed the custody records under. So it's his word. He denied having any involvement or information on the murders. He said, yeah, I did live near the canal at the time, and I'd ride my bike sometimes on the path in the area, but I don't know these girls. They told him, well, why is your DNA a match? Your DNA was at both of these scenes. He had no explanation. So when the police looked into Brian's history, they found out that in 2002, he stabbed a woman in Everett, Washington. But he was acquitted when he said that the woman was trying to rob him. So since he was acquitted for this, the state of Washington did not require him to submit a DNA sample. And he ended up moving back to Arizona. So the woman that he allegedly tried to rob had a totally different story. No surprise. So she was a 17-year-old girl who was walking along the road in Everett, Washington, He offered her a ride, and she said yes, because she recognized him from a friend's apartment complex. So he was a stranger, but he wasn't a total stranger. Well, he was, but you know what I mean. She's like, oh, yeah, I've seen you around, whatever. So during that ride, they were chatting about some of the pathways and trails near the apartment complex that were dangerous. Then he took her back to his work, stabbed her in the back with a 12-inch serrated knife. Good Lord. And stabbed her in the back with a 12-inch shredder knife. But I can't believe he got acquitted for that because he said she was trying to rob him. So a guy named Jason, who worked with Brian at the time of his assault arrest in Washington, said that he never saw any strange behavior from Brian. He said, quote, He was kind of a quiet person, but he wasn't any more quiet than anybody else. He didn't show any crazy, weird red flags to me. He seemed pretty square. What a 50s way to... He's a square. Who are we, Richie Cunningham? So in Arizona, Brian Miller was known by his friends and neighbors as, are you ready for this? The zombie hunter. The zombie hunter? Your face. Yes, the zombie hunter. Okay. So by day, he was an Amazon delivery driver. 
But in his free time, I can't even say without laughing, but in his free time, he was a zombie hunter. He drove around town in a decommissioned squad car, lights on top and everything. He also had a zombie hunter bumper sticker on it. He would dress up as sort of a steampunk zombie hunter. I don't know how else to describe this. And he would market himself on Facebook. He would show up to comic book stores, zombie walks, or apocalypse-themed photo shoots. I'll post a picture that I found of him at a 2014 zombie walk with him in his car. So strange. Uh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call that a red flag to murder or anything, but it's just kind of ironic that the guy he worked with in Washington was like, he seemed pretty square, as in boring. But he's a zombie hunter. I don't know. I don't think that's how I, like, I don't think you really knew this dude, just saying. But his Facebook page had a lot of photos of cars, hiking, zombie walks, all kinds of stuff. And he also posted screenshots of what looked like low-budget horror movies and photos of bikes. Brian Miller has pleaded not guilty to charges of murder, kidnapping, sexual assault, and attempted sexual assault. Prosecutors are still seeking the death penalty. His trial is scheduled for September 21st of this year, and he is not eligible for bail. So it's wild. It happens in the early 90s, picks up some steam in the, you know, 10 years ago, and then now it's just now finally going to trial. They had a lot of delays because of COVID, of course, but still, it seems like a long time. But police are recommending that he be charged with two counts of first-degree murder and one count of sexual assault. They're also not ruling out the possibility that Brian Miller could be connected to other unsolved murders. Since Brian lived in Arizona, Washington, and Hawaii, the investigators are going to work with the investigators in those states to see if there are any possible connections. Because of the brutality of the murders, they think it would be very unusual if Angela was his first victim and Melissa was his last. There are a couple of suspected victims, not really confirmed by police, but speculated by family, friends, and, of course, online sleuthers. I'll mention them because it's definitely a possibility. In 1992, a 13-year-old girl named Brandy Myers disappeared in Phoenix. She was going door-to-door to to collect money for a fundraiser for school, and she also lived in the same neighborhood as Brian Miller. So this is a bit graphic, so skip ahead around 30 seconds if you'd like. So supposedly, he told his ex-wife that he dragged a little girl who was selling Girl Scout cookies into his house and cut her throat. He also said that he put her in the bathtub, dismembered her, put her body parts into trash bags, and disposed of them. I hate you. That's all I could find out about this. So it's he just told his ex-wife, but Brandy hasn't been found, so this can't be confirmed. You know, it's just something he said. Some of Brandy's family thinks this is a possibility that he could have killed her. So while police were out searching for Brandy, they found the body of another girl in the canal who appeared to be strangled to death eight weeks before Brandy's disappearance. This canal, I, w- I wouldn't go anywhere near this canal. After all this, no. So this girl was 16-year-old Shannon Amuck who ran away from a group home and was never reported missing, which breaks my heart. They didn't even discover her identity until 2011. That's awful. Yeah, a Jane Doe for all those years. Well, in 2013, 19-year-old Adrian Salinas disappeared after leaving a party one night in Tempe, Arizona. 
This party was a mile away from where Brian lived at the time. While she was driving, she blew a tire, so she called a cab to meet her at a gas station. But she never showed up, and her cell phone was turned off. Months later, she was found dead 30 miles from her home. So her head and hands haven't been mentioned in the autopsy report. So it's not confirmed if they were missing or not. It's a possibility because they weren't mentioned in them, but I can't say for sure. And they can't comment on this since it's an open investigation. She did have a boyfriend at the time, but the police have ruled him out and they've ruled out the cab driver as suspects. So Adrian has long black curly hair and brown eyes. She's five foot five inches tall, around 100 pounds. She has a small tattoo of the tribal sun on her neck and a lip piercing with a clear stone. She also has a four-inch scar on her back. So anyone with information regarding this case should call 1-800-CALL-FBI or the Tempe, Arizona Police Department at 480-350-8311. Those are a couple suspected victims that could be linked to him, and it sounds likely. Back to this, Brian tried to use the insanity defense. But as of last month, a judge found Brian Miller mentally fit to stand trial. The prosecutor just thought it was a delay tactic because they didn't even bring up the insanity defense until six years after the case was filed. Defense denied that it was a delay tactic and they were working with an expert that has the opinion that Brian has disassociative amnesia, which I've heard of amnesia, sure, but I haven't heard of this one, but It's a mental disorder in which a person can't remember traumatic events. So he's claiming he can't remember any of these details or anything, which is very convenient for him. But the prosecution had an expert examine him, and they believe that he could easily be faking the amnesia. It's not really something you can Uh, prove, you know? Right. I don't, at least I don't think I could be wrong, but I'll, of course, be following this case to see what the outcome is. I got the bulk of my info from several AP news articles and Arizona Central news articles. And I went through some Reddit rabbit holes. Shout out to user 331 underscore. I love (laughs) reading a good theory, even if it's not factual. I got the facts from the news sites, obviously, but I was just kind of reading the rabbit holes on the suspected victims. And I can definitely see the connections there, especially since he lived within a close proximity to Each of the girls just don't go near any canals. That's all I can say. This isn't great advice, but it's no bikes. Terrible. No canals. Do you ride your bike? No. How how (laughs) dare you? First of all. First of all. No. So you're saying. No. Everyone can ride their bikes. It's just, that's, it makes me paranoid about riding my bike. Well, to be fair. To be fair. It's dangerous out there. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. I ride my bike in a canal. Anyways, well, I'll but it po- really doesn't make a shit where you ride your bike. Exactly. But I'll post a picture and it's not like it It looks like a nice area to ride a bike. You know? Yeah. I've ridden my bike. Well, not my bike, but I've ridden a bike around waterways in the past. Not recently. Like around the <laughs> seawall in Vancouver and stuff. But I can see the appeal of wanting to go out for a bike ride around the canal if you like doing activities. It's, it doesn't look scary. It looks nice. I'll post a picture of it, but I can see the appeal of it. It's just he, there's some freaking zombie hunting. I don't even know. But square dude. He's a square, <laughs> quiet guy. Okay. I hope the daughter, his daughter's doing okay because her mom's not in the picture. Should we segue? We have some new patrons. 
Yay! And we just got a new one right before we recorded. So let me pull up my handy dandy list so I don't forget anybody. So we have Elizabeth F. from Washington State. Hi, Elizabeth from Washington. I think we have a couple Washington States now. Thank you, Elizabeth. And we have Joelle C. I love her name. I was just about to say that. We don't know where she's from yet, but that's a pretty name. Thank you, Joelle. Oh, and Elizabeth V. from last week is from South Carolina. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Elizabeth is a great name. I know. We have a couple of Elizabeths, Heathers. We love y'all. So if you haven't given us your address yet, I have messaged you all on the Patreon site. And if you don't want to give it to us, that's fine. But if you do, we'll send you some stickers in the mail. Funny story before we go. So we discovered a new bar. We have, and we love it. Charlie's Good Time Drinkery. So yeah, we had to go check it out, and it was funny. So we we go in, we order some drinks, sitting at the bar, we order some food. We learned what funeral potatoes were. Well, sort of. I kind of knew what they were already, but they're really good mashed potatoes, basically. They're commonly casserole type things, but these were just like loaded mashed potatoes. But anyway, I digress. The burger was very good. So we're sitting at the bar, and we overhear them talking about true crime. And we hear them mention something. So, of course, we're just, we have to pipe in and say, oh, true crime. We're interested in that. And then Ashley begins to yell across the bar table <laughs> that. I really did. I had to get up it, and walk well, over there. It was funny because like, she was like, okay. And then she gets up and walks around and she's like, okay, I didn't want to yell this across the table. So, blah, blah, blah. And she's telling them about, I remember the Illinois Ripper Crew case. And she was explaining it, and I was just laughing because she, I couldn't really hear her, but she's using her hands and just... Anyway, we found some true crime people there. And they had a podcast, funny enough. What was it called? Drunk Arcade? It's about beer and sports. But the bar owner there was talking about how he's going to start doing trivia. True crime trivia. True crime trivia. We're we're there. Charlie's Good Time Drinkery. Owned by husband and wife, Raj and Charlie. So Charlie's for Charlie, Charlie Arnold, and she's super rad. She actually listens to us, which is so freaking awesome. I always love finding out about local supporters. Yeah, it's in the River Market, 500 President Clinton Avenue. They have Instagram, Facebook, all the things. We'll have to link those up. But yeah, go check it out. They're open until 2 a.m. I have a dog named Charlie, but this is Charlie with two E's. I'm like, are dogs named Charlie loud? But no. No, Lacey. Can't bring your dog into the bar. Ashley's befriending the bartender. Uh, like, like she I does. Do. Like the she bartenders. does. Like, oh, God. No, these people again. Because we went back the next day. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. I would be there tonight if it wasn't for the ice. But yeah, Charlie's Good Time Drinkery in the River Market. Go check it out. If you're local, you might see us there. You'll definitely see us there whenever true crime trivia happens. Uh, For sure. For sure. Speaking of true crime stuff, I have a new TV show. What? I need one. That has nothing to do with true crime, but it's spooky. <laughs> it's on Epics. What? Do you have Epics? No. What is Epics, that? Epics. E-P-I-X. It's called From. From. F-R-O-M. So it's basically like this town, and once you get there, you can't leave. It reminded me of... um Oh, shit. What's that show we watched on um, Netflix with the church and the priest and all that? Oh, oh my gosh. I can't believe I can't remember. Um, Midnight Mass. Yes, Midnight Mass. It reminds me a lot of that because 
it's like at sundown, when it starts getting dark, you have to lock yourself inside your house and your windows and you can't go outside after dark because there's like boogers out there. And that the very first, she loves them when I say that. I do. So at that, <laughs> there's literal there's just boogers. Like, there's like a, there's a booger man. So there's, um, there's only been one episode. It just started Sunday. It's also on Amazon Prime. It's so good. So like this, this family is driving down the road in like this Winnebago and there's a tree across the road. So they have to turn around and go back. And when they turn around and go back, they're like, this is weird. We're in a town. Did we pass this? They drive through looking for the interstate and never turn off the road. And then they're back in the town. And like the couple start fighting because they're like, did you miss the exit? Did you do this? Whatever. And then they do it. They keep driving in circles. And like one of the people in the town's like, oh, I hate this part. Like she's saying, like, when you think that you can get out, it's so creepy. Right up my alley. It's yes. so good. I thought about you whenever I was watching. I was like, oh my God, Lacey's going to love this. Check it out. It's so good. Like I said, there's only been one episode. It just started, but it's like in my TiVo. It's going to record every time. How did you even find out about that? I haven't heard a single human mention this. I, well, you know, randomly I was flipping through and there was a movie on that channel Saturday night. And so I was watching it and uh, it was a commercial. It was like tomorrow night, premiere episode. And I was like... This looks cool as shit. Well, I'll just tell you this. Somebody opens a window, like they hear a tapping on the window, and they go to the window, and it's like this old woman, and she's like, hey, I'm your grandma. Don't you remember me? I'm so cold out here. Let me in. And she's like, you don't look like my grandma, but you sound like her. And you hear the mom scream, get away from the window. And then it, yeah. Did you ever watch The Leftovers? I'm sure you did. No, but I do love Leftovers. I do love Leftovers. I'm surprised you haven't watched it. I just figured you'd like Justin. What's it on? It's it's over, but it was on HBO. But it's it's not about a freaky town per se, but it's like a lot of people vanish off the face of the earth. Oh, I love a good rapture. But it's not a rapture. It's hard to put into words. They just do not know what happened. They are just gone. Okay, I, I wrote it down. I'm going to have to check that out since I'm having all the snow happen and when we're stuck 30 minutes away from one another. Did I just call him Justin, Justin Trudeau? Did I just say it was the Prime Minister of Canada? He was with Jennifer Aniston for a while. Oh my gosh. That's Thoreau. Justin Thoreau. Justin Thoreau. Okay. Oh, Jesus Christ. So Justin Thoreau is in it, not not the Prime Minister of Canada. But anyway. That, I'll watch it now. Um, also, there's a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I saw. Not it. Did you watch? No, no, I saw a preview. Well, not a preview. Max and I watched it Saturday night. Wait, I'm not waiting on anybody. I have to watch it. Me and Max. And I have a video of him watching it. And he's... Laughing? He gives it three stars. He's such a movie critic. He's He's such a movie critic. It's okay. He's, He's eight years old. And I literally have a video of him watching it going, he's not dead. Don't go over there. He's not even dead. And then she gets attacked. He's like Mystery Science Theater. Yes. He, they need to product test it on eight-year-olds before they release this to the public. If they find the plot holes, then it's not looking good. New TV show and, and, a, and a movie in my case. And we love Charlie's and we love all of our new patrons. Yes. We hate the eyes. We hate in Arkansas snowstorms. Yes, we do. We do. Sorry if this sucks. Our audio may be off. We apologize. 
we'll get our shit together one day. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe never. And, and Lacey is not going to be here. Lacey is leaving for Miami. And I'm hopefully going to go into Versace's mansion, fingers crossed. You know, have, did you watch that? The murder of Versace? Of course I did. <sighs> so interesting. That's for our episode next week. I know we just said we're going to get it together, but we will after next week. <laughs> so we're going to be out of town. So what we're going to do, instead of having nothing for you all to listen to, we're going to make a mashup of some of the Patreon episodes we've done before. So you all can kind of get a glimpse at, they're a little more lighthearted. I feel like we do talk about some other stuff other than true crime in them, but we're going to, you know, do a air quotes, the best of the Patreon, because I don't know if it is the best of. And to our patrons who have already heard this stuff before, we'll do something cool for you later. We promise until next week. And the week after. Yeah, the week after. And then when we come back, we will be where? We do not know yet. Write us in. Write us Tell in. Tell us where you want us to go. We actually got to. Don't say hell either. Don't say <laughs> hell. That'll be in the next review. You can. <laughs> I, I can tell you where to go. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Those are always just a, a fun surprise. But it's a mystery to everyone. Jax is downstairs crying. I got to go tend to that crazy cat my kids in the next room begging me to come out because he's bored bye